You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit harvestbrampton.ca. Let's get our Bibles open to Luke chapter 5, and the ushers are going to be coming up and down the aisle right now for people who need a copy of God's Word today. Uh, Today is an exciting day sort of around the world for Harvest. There's three brand new Harvest church plants that are getting started. And uh, we launched a new church today in Bamenda, Cameroon. And uh, another church in, uh, that's awesome, that's worth cheering for. And um, Annapolis, Maryland and Indianapolis, Indiana. And so really thankful that God continues to, uh, to build his church. Uh, We're starting a new series today called Following Him, and talking about the this concept, this idea of discipleship and following Jesus, that song that we just sang, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And uh, the series is not going to be simply uh, my opinions about what I think discipleship is. We're not going to be looking to some sort of uh, book or some great spiritual teacher to to tell us what discipleship is or what it looks like or how it works. We're going to go straight to the source. And we are going to look at uh, just about every single time in which Jesus himself tells his disciples, this is what it means to follow me. And, and, and this is the cost, and, and, and this is the call, and this is the commission that I'm giving you. And so we are going to hear Jesus' voice week after week as we go through this series, clarifying for us what does it mean to be a disciple. Now, sometimes we're going to hear what he says about discipleship, and it's going to give us a sense of peace. It's going to give us a sense of comfort, sort of an inner joy and excitement, sometimes he's going to say some things that are going to cause us to tremble, that are going to make us, if we're honest with ourselves, a little bit afraid, a little bit frightening. And so some, some of the things are going to be hard to hear, others are the things we just like, we can't hear enough of, but everything that we're going to hear is going to be true. And we are going to go to the Word of God and hear from Jesus, who is the Word of God, to to find out what does it mean for us to follow Jesus. And so let's pray right now that we would hear His voice so clearly. And so, Heavenly Father, we come to you right now by your Spirit, and we're asking that we would be able to hear the voice of your Son. And so, God, we pray that you would be speaking to us in a way that only you can. And God, I want to yield myself. I want to be filled by your spirit. I want to speak your word and your truth, God. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do in this moment, God. I pray that you would bless and supernaturally move through the reading and proclamation of your word. If you agree, I I ask that you would say amen. Amen. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, follow along with me in your Bibles. It says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. 
And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and caught nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Chapter 5, verse 1 begins with this big crowd. They are pressing in to hear the word of God. And, And the way that Jesus taught with so much clarity and so much authority and with so much conviction that people were just flocking. They had never heard teaching like the way Jesus taught. It was so real. It was so true. It was so applicable to their lives. It was so different from what they had been hearing. That there were these crowds that were following around listening to his sermons. They were pressing in on him. It says that he came to the lake of Gennesaret. That's just another name for the the Sea of Galilee. Verse 2, it says he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, notice he gets into the boat before he asks if he can get in or or asks uh, if it's okay. So he gets into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. Uh, Jesus didn't come to the lake because of the crowds. Jesus came to the lake because of Peter. And he came to that specific boat at that specific time because he was going to call Peter. The title for today's message is, is the call. The call of discipleship. The call that Jesus gives for us to come and to follow him, and I want you to make note of this, that Jesus calls us where we are. Jesus calls us where we are. Jesus didn't sort of look, look down on Peter from a ridge back from the lake and say, hey, hey you, come and follow me. No, he went right down to where he was at the specific time, at the specific place. God calls us where we are. Back in Genesis God went into the Garden of Eden and went looking for Adam and Eve. He went to where they were. In the book of Exodus, when God was going to set his people free from slavery, he he came down to set them free. And listen, Jesus didn't just come from one part of Capernaum to the Sea of Galilee. No, Jesus came from heaven to earth. We worship a God who comes to us where we are. And so he comes to a Peter. It's also important to notice that he calls Peter at work. He doesn't call him at the synagogue. He doesn't call him at the temple. He doesn't call him in any particularly spiritual place that we would think of. He calls him at work. And it's actually remarkable when you go through the pages of Scripture how so often when God is calling someone, he calls them at their workplace. He called David and Moses when they were looking after sheep. He called Gideon when he was threshing. Amos when he was farming. Elisha when he was plowing. 
Levi, when he was at his tax booth, when God wants to call you to do something new, he normally calls you when you're doing what you're supposed to. When you're just fulfilling what's in front of you. And then God comes and calls us to something greater. It's also important to notice that he didn't, he didn't exactly call Peter on his best day. Verse 5 says that he was up all night and caught nothing. That's when God tends to call us. Peter was, was more inclined to pay attention and to respond to what Jesus had to say on that particular day than if he had had a successful evening of catching fish. I don't know about you, but I find that comforting that Jesus calls us on our hardest days. That on the, at the very end of a quarter in which the salesman didn't close one deal. At the end of a semester where the, where the report has come through and the student has flunked all of those core courses. He, he, he comes to the, the mother who is, is just on the brink of tears because she just lost her temper with her children again and just can't seem to hold it together. That is when Jesus comes. He comes to us where we are and he comes to call us. Now, Jesus asked Peter to do something very small to begin with. Can I borrow your boat? You're not using it right now. Can you just push it out a little bit from the shore so that I'm not being pressed in by the crowd? We also need to make note of this, that God often calls us to do something small before he does something big. What he asked Peter to do was not a hard thing. He just let him use his boat. Listen, it wasn't even hard for him. He he wasn't using his boat. He was already washing his nets. It was kind of convenient for him. Oh, I can hear a sermon. I heard this guy before at the synagogue. And and now now I'll just wash my nets and I'll listen to him teach. And so often we're called to do a small thing right before God is about to do a big thing. And Peter had a bit of a history with Jesus. If you read the whole Gospel of Luke, you'll see that Peter was with Jesus when he was teaching at a synagogue and he exercised a demon from a demon-possessed man and then Jesus actually went over to Peter's house and Peter's mother-in-law was there and she normally would have been the one who was doing the cooking and the spread but she was in bed with a fever, some sort of infection and Jesus miraculously healed her. And so Peter had heard Jesus teaching, he'd seen his miraculous power before and maybe he's like, hey, you know, you heal my mother-in-law, I'll let you use my boat. But Jesus comes to us where we are, and Peter's there, he's just washing his nets, the crowd's around. Listen, Peter, at this point, he's just one of the crowd. But by the time we get to verse 11, Peter's no longer one of the crowd, he's one of the called. And maybe you're here today, and you're just one of the crowd. Maybe your family's really into Jesus, maybe you have a a husband or a wife, or maybe one of your children, or maybe your parents. They love Jesus, they're always reading about him and listening to sermons on the radio and all of that sort of thing, and you're just here to be part of the crowd. And it's my desire that today you would become part of the called. Not just sort of along for the ride, not just to hear some, some message or some sermon, but to hear the voice of the Son of God calling you today the way that he called Peter. So Jesus comes to us where we are. Also make note of this, that Jesus challenges the way that we think. He comes to us the way that we, the, right where we are, but he challenges the way that we think. One of the reasons why we tend to be where we are is because the way that we thought or, or what's going on in our mind, the way that we view our world, that's what led us to the place where we find ourselves. 
And so in verse 4, it says, when, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Now, Jesus asked Peter to, to go out, and it's no longer just push your boat a little out from shore so that I can teach. Now Jesus is saying, take me and let's go out into deep water and let's take those nets that you were just cleaning and let's put them out into deep water. Now we can see in Peter's response here how difficult following this command would have been for him. Notice what he says in verse 5. He begins by saying, Master, sort of politely saying, Sir, clearly you're a good teacher and clearly you've got some, some spiritual power that I've witnessed before. But Master, we toiled all night. Notice how he says we. This was not just a one-on-one fishing trip, just Jesus and Peter. This was not just some little dinghy of a boat. This was not just some tiny little net that you just throw into the water. No, Peter had a crew of men. Peter could not obey Jesus in isolation here. And as Jesus is speaking to Peter and Peter's considering whether or not he should do this, he's got a whole group of people who are going like, no way, man. We've been up all night. You're not doing this. You might be thinking that you can just follow Jesus in isolation and that all of your relationships can stay the same. Your, your family setup can remain the same. Your friends, that, listen, if you're going to follow Jesus, he's going to lead you right into all of your relationships and change everything. And so he says, we, we toiled all night. And so Peter and his crew, they're all tired. They had been working hard all night. And now, as soon as the nets are clean, that equals siesta. And they want it. They, they want that rest. They've, they've, they've just come off of a shift. And now it's time to break because they've got to get back out there the next night. So this was highly inconvenient, not to mention the fact that the nets are clean now. And so not only will we have to go back out there and 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 fish again, but then when we come back, we have to get the nets clean before we can get out again later that night. You see, but the way Jesus is thinking, and he challenges the way that we think, Jesus is saying, Peter, this is going to be like the last time you ever fish. I don't care if those nets are dirty, because you're going to be leaving those nets behind. This was also incredibly, not just inconvenient for Peter, but just illogical. Peter was a, was a professional merchant fisherman. He had no doubt been raised by fishermen who were raised by other fishermen for generations. He was like born on this lake. He knew it like the back of his hand. And just like any other fisherman knows, the best time to fish is at night or early in the morning. When the water cools at the surface a little bit because the blazing sun is not beating down on it. That's why they had been up all night. And now Jesus comes along and tells him, oh, now's a good time to go to deep water. And Peter's like, it's not a good time. Jesus, you're a carpenter turned preacher. You, you don't know how to, how do you, you don't understand what I'm doing. You don't, you don't get the context. I really appreciate that you want to do this, but you just don't get it. 
But Jesus challenges the way that we think. You see, Peter thought he knew the lake. Peter thought he knew fish. Peter knew nothing. And some of us are here today. And we've been brought up sort of in this atheistic, secular humanism that there's a scientific explanation for everything. And hearing from Jesus will definitely challenge the way that you think. That, that the way that Jesus speaks and the way that Jesus looks at the world will be very different from the way that you think. And he's going to come to you where you are, but he's going to challenge the way that you think. Maybe you were brought up in a different religion. Maybe you were brought up with a different faith and your parents taught you to view the world this way according to Hinduism or according to Islam or according to Sikhism and a very, very different approach to who God is and a very different approach to where morality comes from. And Jesus has come to you where you are and he's going to challenge the way that you think. Peter thinks he knows. He thinks that there will be no fish out there. And yet Jesus challenges that thinking. It was completely inconvenient. It was completely illogical. But I love what Peter says. Master, we we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. But at your word. You see, so many times we get ourselves into trouble in the Christian life because our butts are in the wrong place. We need to put our butts where Peter put his butt. This is totally inconvenient, God. This is totally illogical, God. But at your word, I will obey you. Normally, the way we do things is said, I would obey you, but this is totally inconvenient. This is totally illogical. And what we need to be is more like Peter and allow him to change and to challenge the way that we think and the way that we look at the world. And what Peter is going to do here now is he is going to act by faith. He cannot see the fish at the bottom of the sea. He can see the crowds. He can see his co-workers he can see that he could very, very likely end up looking like a complete fool right now. But he is going to step out and act in faith. Now again, faith doesn't mean that there's no evidence. Faith is not completely blind. Peter had heard Jesus teach. He had seen him heal his mother-in-law. He knew that there was something. And so we've got to look at the evidence that's around us and based on that evidence, then we step forward in faith, being certain of what we cannot see. And then it's amazing how a simple, small act of faith-filled obedience unlocks God's power in Peter's life. What simple, small faith-filled act of obedience do you need to take in order to unlock God's power in your life? I love verse 6. When they had done this, they, he had to include his crew, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets 
were breaking. Verse 7, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Now, these were these massive nets. It took a whole crew just to get the net into the water, but now they're only pulling it up from one side. And so the one side of the net that they're pulling on, there's so much tension because of the weight, the physics of it, the net is being torn because there's so much fish. And so they haul her to the other friends, the ones who didn't want to go out and look foolish. And so now they're signaling to their partners. They have to signal because they're so far out in the deep. And so now they come along. And so now they can pull the net up from, from two sides. And so, and so they're bringing it up into the boats. And this is so incredible in verse 7. So the boat, they come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that the boats began to sink. They're rowing for their lives, trying to get back to the, they're chucking fish overboard because there's so much fish. The abundant power of God catching all of this fish at a time where there should be no fish, at a place where there should be no fish. There were fish. And Jesus challenges the way that we think. Changed the way Peter thought forever. That his perspective, what he thinks, how the world works, and how his life is ordered, he now, see, now he understands that Jesus knows better than he does. Then in verse 8 it says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You see, Jesus comes to us where we are. He challenges the way that we think, and he also convicts us of our sin. Jesus convicts us of our sin. It's incredible that Peter at this point isn't trying to recruit, recruit Jesus to join his crew. Hey, you know what? I, I doubted your fishing ability and I kind of questioned it at the beginning, but I really think we need to team up here, Jesus, and I'll supply the nets and the workers and you just, you just point to the spot and I'll, I'll, and I'll let down and we'll make a lot of money and this will be fantastic. No, he doesn't invite Jesus to join his team. In fact, he asked Jesus to depart from him. Because if you spend enough time with Jesus and witness his incredible love, his incredible kindness, his moral perfection, his humility, his tenderness, when you spend enough time with Jesus, you're going to be convicted of your sin. And that's what happened to Peter. Peter knew exactly who he was. He was a sinner in need of grace. And He didn't fully understand it yet, but he knew that there was something about Jesus. He knew that that this is not merely a man. He's now seen enough power over the last several days to, to understand that there is something about this Jesus. He is not merely just a carpenter turned preacher. And it may not have been clear in his mind right then that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was God in flesh, God incarnate. But Jesus was going to reveal that to him. But Peter was so overwhelmed with his own sinfulness, his own selfishness, his own rebellion against God that he got down on his knees and he grabbed Jesus' knees and he said, depart from me, 
for I am a sinful man. You know, the incredible thing is, is that a lot of us think that when you first become a Christian, that's when the conviction of sin part comes. You confess your sin to Jesus, you believe that he died on the cross for you, you commit to follow him, and then the rest of your life you just sort of get up and sort of keep walking and, and your life is kind of good from that point. You see, Peter was only just beginning to see who Jesus was as the son of God, but Peter was only just beginning to see how much of a sinner he really was. He was only just beginning And you follow the rest of the Gospels and the things that he said that he regretted, the things that he did, that he he denied Jesus three times. You would think that in that moment, in the boat, I will never fear more sinful than I do right now. This is as low as I'll possibly get, Jesus. (laughs) And yet Jesus just lovingly Peels back the layers of darkness and evil and sin and deceit in Peter's heart throughout his lifetime, showing him how sinful he is. And that's been my experience in the Christian life. I'm sure it's been the experience of many of you. That you, as the closer you get to Jesus and the more time you spend with him, the more sinful you realize you are. You thought you needed Jesus when you first became a Christian, but the further you go with him, you realize more and more your need for his grace and his mercy, his forgiveness, and his love. I love this about Jesus, too, because what he's about to say to Peter is to, to come and follow him. You see, Peter doesn't come and say, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, and then Jesus isn't like, Yeah, I didn't realize. I guess I should depart. No, Jesus Jesus already knew. Peter said, depart from me, and Jesus says, no, I'm not, I am departing, but I'm not departing from you. You're coming with me. You're following me. And here's the unbelievable thing about Jesus. Peter hadn't had the layers pulled back yet. He didn't know how sinful and selfish he really was. Jesus already knew all of that. He, he, He knows the specific location of fish on the Sea of Galilee. And he knows every thought and intention of our mind and heart, past, present, and future. Peter barely knew himself, but he knew enough to say, I'm a sinful man. Jesus knew Peter better than anyone. He knew Peter better than Peter. And he still loved him. That is the wonder of the gospel. That is the wonder of following an omniscient God who knows all things. That he knows us better than we know ourselves. That every time we confess a sin that we just discover, Jesus already knew it. And yet he still loves us and still calls us to follow him. Peter said, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. And then he says, oh Lord, that's a stronger word than master. 
It's not just that you're kind of in charge of a few things. It's saying, no, you are in charge of everything. And then it goes on to talk about his friends. Verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. The fourth point of the message is that Jesus calls us to leave everything. Jesus calls us to leave everything. Jesus looks at this man who is struck with conviction over his sin, and he doesn't say, come on, man, just believe in yourself. No, he looks at him in all of his humility and all of his contrition and he says, right when Peter is at the very moment of, I can't do anything, now Jesus says, perfect, I'm calling you to do something. It's, it, it, it's almost an eerie parallel to the way Isaiah got called in Isaiah chapter 6. He has this vision of God. There's cherubim and seraphim who are worshiping him and declaring the holiness of God. The foundation of the temple is shaking. And Isaiah says, woe is me, I'm ruined. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And it's at that moment that God says, whom shall I send? There's no one else in the room. He's calling Isaiah. He's saying, Isaiah, because you're humble right now, because you're convicted of your sin, because you feel like you can't do anything, now you're ready to do something. Now I'm going to call you. He says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And similarly, Jesus says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Jesus says, perfect, you're ready now, Peter. I've been waiting for this moment. You're ready to come and follow me. I love that little phrase that Jesus says, from now on. Following Jesus is a series of new beginnings. And Jesus makes this declaration, Peter, the past is the past, but from now on, this is your mission. You will be catching men. And if you study the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John closely, and how Peter got called, Jesus had met Peter and had called Peter before this point. In John chapter 1, beginning at verse 35, Peter's brother Andrew introduces his brother Simon to Jesus. Jesus meets him and says, your name's no longer Simon, it's Cephas or Peter, which means rock. That was the first time that they met. Then later on, Matthew chapter 4 and Mark chapter 1 talk about Jesus coming to Peter another time when he was at his boat. And it says that he had nets in his hand and Jesus said, come and follow me. And they left their nets. But it's a different word for net. It wasn't this big massive net that they had to pull and have a whole crew of people. It's just a little net that you chuck into the sea when you're fishing near the shore. And there wasn't any fish in the net at that time. They were cleaning it. They just left them on the... But it's from there, the Gospel of Mark tells us, that's when Peter started to follow Jesus. And he went with him to the synagogue. 
and the demon-possessed man was healed. Then he went back to Peter's house and he healed his mother-in-law. Then you get to Luke chapter 5. Peter's already been called by Jesus, but he's back fishing. Jesus had already said, come and follow me. And Peter followed him, sort of. And then he's back on the lake. You see, some of you are here today and you think, I know Jesus called me and I missed it. I blew it. I had my opportunity to walk with him, to be close to him. And it's, listen, you need to understand it's a continual calling. Jesus said, from now on, that we don't always hear it right the first time. Or we might think that we're all in and committed, but we're not. And the answer is not to go and run away from him or to depart from him. The answer is, okay, yes, now I will follow you. And even now, you, you know how the rest of the Gospels turn out. Even from now on, still had a lot of ups and downs for Peter. It's so important for us to understand that when we are considering the call that Jesus has on our lives. Things will never be the same. This is a new beginning from now on. You see, Jesus comes to us where we are, but he doesn't let us stay that way. He comes to us where we are, challenges the way that we think, and convicts us of our sin, and then calls us to follow him. We don't stay there. He comes to us and then takes us somewhere greater. And that's his desire for us. And then it says that in their response, in verse 11, that they brought their boats to land and they left everything and followed him. That's a scary thought. But Jesus said, don't be afraid. And following him, we need to not be afraid to leave everything behind. What are you afraid to leave behind? When you think about the implications of this passage and how it might come to bear on your own personal life, what are you afraid to leave behind? Maybe it's that relationship that you and the Lord know is unhealthy. And he's been talking to you about it for a long, long time and it needs to end. And you're so, you're so afraid to leave it behind. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. Maybe it's ambition at school or at work, and this desire to achieve or to reach a certain level or plateau. And who knows what God has in store for you, but maybe you need to leave that ambition behind and just follow him at work and at school and not follow your ambition. Maybe it's your popularity with friends and trying to fit in. Maybe it's the crushing burden of the approval of your parents. And maybe there's so much fear of rejection. Remember, Jesus said, do not be afraid. You can leave everything behind. Maybe it's that sinful habit that you know you need help with. 
but you're so afraid of what it might mean and what, what letting go of that sinful addiction or that hidden sin, what that would actually mean for you and what that would actually cost you and how hard and humbling that would actually be and you're afraid. Jesus says, do not be afraid. As soon as those sinking boats made it to shore, It says they left everything and followed him. Peter went from having his a complete failure at work to a record-breaking success. No one had ever caught fish like that on the Sea of Galilee. And yet he walked away. He didn't stop for an interview with a local reporter. He didn't take a selfie with the two boats. He He didn't even sell the fish to fund wherever they were going for an unspecified time to an unspecified location. He just left everything. And I know some of us are here today and there are some things that we are just holding on to so tightly. And you look at Peter and you say, I I can't do that. It's, it's so radical what he did. It was so instant. It was so intentional. It was so final. I, I can't do that. Well, the problem is, is that you're actually looking at Peter. And as long as you're looking at Peter and what Peter did, you're always going to say, I can't do that. And it's true. Because you're not supposed to be looking at Peter You're supposed to be looking at Jesus and recognizing that Peter saw something that all of us need to see, that there's something so glorious and beautiful and majestic and powerful about Jesus Christ, that when your eyes are on him, no matter what you're holding on to, you gladly leave everything because you realize he is everything. And then you begin a journey of following him. And so let's pray for God's help right now. And I want to ask every head to bow, every eye to be closed. And I know there are a number of different people here every Sunday. Some people who aren't believers in Jesus yet. Some people who have been walking with Jesus longer than I've been alive. The call to us is the same. To follow him. To go where he tells us to go. To do what he tells us to do. And to be leaving everything behind. So let's pray. God, we pray for your help right now. And we pray that by your spirit. That you would magnify the beauty of Jesus in our hearts right now. I pray that we would see him as so worth it that whatever we would need to leave behind, that there is no comparison to what we get compared to what we have to give up. And so God, I pray that we would be a church 
filled with people who have heard the call and who have gladly left everything behind to follow him. And God, we know clearly what that meant for Peter. And God, I pray that you would mercifully, clearly show us what that means for us as a church and as individuals. May we be found following you and declaring that you are everything. Therefore, we leave everything in order to follow you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. This has been an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church or to contact us, please visit harvestbrampton.ca.